Hello, everybody. Welcome to Term-Based Memories. What we do on this podcast is compare our experiences. A guy who played an RPG a long time ago has another guy play that game for the first time, and then we compare experiences. For today's episode, I, the legendary Zoltan, played a JRPG called Resonance of Fate a long time ago. So I'm going to tell you all about what the game is, why I liked it so much, and see if I can predict why... What my co-host Mel thinks about it now that he has finished it for the first time. Then Mel will come on the show and I'll ask him for his opinions. So that's what we're going to do. No random ass what have you been playing sections. No random ass tangents about the MCU. There are no random asses. Just what is the game? What did I think? What does Mel think? Let's get started. Resonance of Fate is a turn-based Japanese RPG for the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 that came out in early 2010. So we got a 10-year-old game here. In 2018, a 4K remaster was released, and that is the version Mel has played. I have also replayed the remastered version on the PS4. This game was developed by Tri-Ace, the creators of Star Ocean and Valkyrie Profile. Tri-Ace excel at progression systems and battle systems. And once again, that is what shines brightest in Resonance of Fate as well. I'm not here to do an in-depth full critique of the game, but let me tell you what this game is like so that you can understand what Mel has gotten himself into. This is a JRPG that is unconventional in almost every way. There are no melee weapons. All of your characters use guns. There is no list of abilities that require magic points to use. The only parameters that increase with your character level are hit points and how much weight you can carry. You can't walk freely on the world map until you unlock a bunch of Tetris piece-shaped areas with items dropped by enemies. And... I guess that's about it, actually. It still has you controlling a party of characters that level up, customize their weapons, do fetch quests, and take on the leaders of the world. The most important and most unique aspect is the battle system. You have handguns and machine guns. Handguns deal very little damage. Machine guns deal lots of damage, but it's fake damage, if you will. It's called scratch damage in the game, and instead of actually depleting your enemy's HP bar, it just changes its color to blue. But then if you shoot that same enemy with a handgun, all the blue part of the HP bar gets depleted. In other words, all the scratch damage gets converted into actual damage, or, as it is called in the game, direct damage. Deplete all the enemy's HP with direct damage, and you win! You also have a gauge called the Hero Gauge. As long as you have at least one unit of of the Hero Gauge full, all damage that enemies do to you will be scratch damage. But if you lose your entire HP gauge, I'm sorry, if your entire HP gauge gets turned blue with scratch damage, you use a number of Hero Gauge units to erase the scratch damage. And the more HP you have, the more hero units get consumed. If you lose your entire hero gauge, your characters will enter panic mode and all damage they receive will be direct damage. If one character loses their HP with direct damage, it's game over. When it's a character's turn, they can attack with their gun and unload the entire bullet clip. Your aiming time is limited though. The better your character can aim, the more effective your attack. 
This is where the gun customization comes in. You can put scopes and hand grips on your gun to aim faster and get a better attack. You can also add barrels to make the bullets fly straighter, straighter so that none of them miss the enemy. And you can get bigger bullet clips to shoot more bullets per attack, improving damage. That is the battle system and customization system in as few words as possible. What do I think about all this? It's kind of amazing. It's fully turn-based, but it's full of crazy action. Your dudes can shoot while running, jump and shoot in mid-air while doing impossible flips, and you can even have all three characters run in circles around the enemy, have one person light them on fire with a Molotov cocktail, have the next person shoot him with so many bolts that he goes flying into the air while on fire, and have the third person already in mid-air shoot him back down to the ground. And it manages to give you full control over all of this with very little skill in timing, in timing your button presses required. And no relying on AI-controlled party members either. Bravo, Tri-Ace. Admittedly, it gets repetitive after a while because the strategy for most battles is the same. Just run in with a machine gun and scratch damage the hell out of an enemy. Then run in with a handgun and turn it all into, into direct damage. Repeat until all enemies are dead. It makes 100%ing this game goddamn brutal. Because to complete the arena, you have to fight 500 battles. And you have to kill each enemy individually. But just going through the main story, it never got old for me. And if you don't grind, uh, you will need to use some additional tools like special machine gun bullets. Speaking of the main story, it's a trip, yo. I found it really intriguing, but they don't explain a lot of things. We know that 1,000 years ago or so, humans built this huge tower called Basel to escape from some kind of cancer-causing pollution on the Earth's surface. We know that the people who live in the tower have their life linked to a piece of quartz. And if their quartz breaks, they die. There is a huge machine called Zenith at the top of the tower. And that thing decides when to break whose quartz. This allows people to sometimes live through certain death situations because Zenith might decide it's not time to break your quartz, even if you say got shot in the head. A religion formed within the tower and the cardinals of that religion somehow became the privileged class that lives in the highest and most expensive area in the tower called Chandelier. The highest position in the religion is called the prelate, which is like the pope. The most recent prelate was a woman named Frida. Yeah, Frida. Not Freda. Frida. Her message of wanting people to live freely and create their own fates resonated with people and she was beloved by commoner and cardinal alike but then she died and then cardinal the cardinal that loved her the most rowan could not handle it and he became obsessed with trying to bring her back to life then we have cardinal sullivan who we find out is doing an experiment where he breaks one quartz a year for 20 years all this stuff is super interesting but you have to go to the internet answers. Why is Sullivan breaking one quartz per year? He has a little girl with him that has demon wings and drinks blood. Who the hell is she? Cardinal Rowan has a female friend who cares for him. I assume she is a cardinal too, but what is her role in all of this? She never 
ends up doing anything? Why was the 20th quartz never shattered? Why does our party member Zephyr go on a killing spree in an orphanage? There are lots of questions one could think of, and I wonder if Mel will be as interested in all of this as I was. The music is an interesting combo. We got Motoi Sakuraba doing his signature prog rock for dungeon music, and we have Kohei Tanaka doing orchestral music. That's right. The, the same the guy that composed the greatest Zelda game of all time and one of the most famous animes of all time did music for Resonance of Fate with Motui Sakuraba. It blows my mind, man. Interesting combination of star power aside, I don't personally have many standout musical moments. We'll see if Mel had any. Lastly, the art and graphics. The Tower of Basel has a unique clockwork design full of gears that are moving as you walk by. There is a lot of detail in all areas, but especially in your town. You can see countless tower components passing you by in the background. The game is mostly gray. There are a lot of different clothes you can put on your characters, but the color saturation is still noticeably low, so that nothing really pops out. It's an artistic choice, but I would have loved a graphical filter option like they had in the PS4 remake of Shadow of the Colossus. I know it wasn't the artist's original intention, but I always set that thing to vivid. When you put together the crazy story, the unique battle system, the design of the tower, the, com the combination of orchestral and progressive rock, the guns, the comedic moments, and the too-cool-to-be-true main character, Vacheron, it creates an unforgettable experience. Lots of people out there... I'm sorry. It creates an unforgettable experience. Lots of people out there don't care for this game, but I bet they all remember what it was like. Now let's predict what Mel thinks. I think Mel will be into the world. He likes dark stuff, so all the gray areas will probably be fine with him. I think he will not care about the story as much as I did. I read wikis and stuff to find out all that I could about it, but I doubt he wants to do that. When I ask him about it, he'll probably be like, I don't know. <laughs> Mel's whole deal is interesting uh, turn-based combat, so that's where he'll really gush about the game. That and the gun customization system. I'm going to guess he put at least five scopes on his machine guns. He'll probably refer to the music as, quote, serviceable. And he will use the exact phrase, he's pretty cool, when describing Vacheron. He probably won't be all goo goo gaga over him like I was. <laughs> so let's see if my predictions are correct. Now and bring on Mel for some questions and answers. Welcome everyone to our second, much longer segment, the main segment. This is uh, where I am going to ask my co-host Mel a whole bunch of questions about what he thought of Residents of Fate now that he's beaten it for the first time. How's it going, Mel? Oh, hey, Zoltan. There you are. It's Here been I a am. while. Yeah, I guess it has. <laughs> been a little while. Um, yeah, beat it for the first time uh, not that long, a couple weeks prior to this recording. 
Cool. So uh, you had a little bit of prior experience before this playthrough, right? True. When this came out originally on the PS3, oh, God, when was that? That was some... Ten uh, was years hot... ago? Ten years ago. God almighty. Yeah, <laughs> I remember liking this game a lot. And this was, like, right at that point in my life where I was like, I don't have time to, like, fully finish every damn game I buy. And it was, like, one of the first games that I always thought about in the back of my mind, like, oh, yeah, Resonance of Fate. I never finished it. I never actually even got that far either. Hmm. <laughs> but the game was it, 16 chapters. Do you know roughly what chapter or how many hours you played into it? Um, I don't know. I want to say probably not past chapter five or six. Okay, so you've only seen like a third. I had only seen about a third of the game. I got caught up because I found a money uh, like loop, I guess you could call it. It's like a glitch or an oversight where there's a vendor oh, yeah, who sells thing. an item <laughs> that another that? vendor buys it. <laughs> for yeah. more so i did that and that and that and that and then that was actually i don't know why i did that but on my first playthrough but then i never went on to finish the game oh man uh, <laughs> um yeah and then it came out as we all know it came out on uh ps4 and pc as a remastered version yeah i think they patched out that thing by the way that loop i i figured they would i didn't even bother to look up exactly what the the <laughs> trade was because i didn't want to do it i was like i think that's just going to ruin the game for me so i didn't even bother to look it up mm. uh and yeah I, I definitely found myself wondering why back then when i had way more free time why did i not finish this game it's really good okay so there's there's some uh foreshadowing there's, there's some uh, there's some foreshadowing <laughs> it's yeah. good <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to start with the uh, art and the graphics. So, All right. Uh, first, I wanted you to describe to me what you saw when you looked at the world and the tower. Oh, boy. So this is probably – we're probably diving right into my favorite part of this game. Oh, Is I, okay. looking at it. Huh. Looking at it from not a technical sense necessarily of, yeah. uh, wow, this game's got the best graphics – but more like, I love the concept of this world. Mm -hmm. I love how it doesn't fucking make any sense also. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the idea of it, where everyone just lives on top of these like ridiculous spinning gears and all these like weird bridges going everywhere. Yeah. It's all like they're inside a giant pocket watch pocket watch yeah <laughs> doesn't uh, make any sense yeah a but i really really <laughs> like it a character in the game actually describes it as like a clockwork tower uh, yeah so. i mean that is what it is I yeah mean, it's like that exactly and you know there's gears spinning around flywheels everywhere and every type of gear that you've ever known to exist is in some frame and the <laughs> camera for most of the i think in every town is from a fixed perspective. Yes. So every town has this very sort of artistic look to it where it's like this is angled exactly the way the developer wants mm. and all these things are exactly in frame the way they want to make it look good. And you know if you like put a cheat on this game and move the camera just a little bit, it would all look horrible. Oh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Probably because there's <laughs> nothing there or it just doesn't line up well or whatever it is. Yeah, they planned so it all out. So <laughs> it's, it's interesting in a way. And But <clears throat> but I, even back then, I remember just like stopping what I was doing to just kind of absorb the scenery of every town. 
Yeah, the first town is my favorite one because it has the mm. most gears and stuff in it. You know, yeah. you walk from your house to the left, uh, basically like a side scroll, just straight to the left, and like the scene goes by behind you, and it's you can see all these rafters and iron yeah. bars and gears, and like, whoa, they put some work into that. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, there's a lot of visual scenery in certainly the first town, but in most of the other like primary places that you visit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I really like it. And even the overworld map has got a lot of that going on. The sort of general yeah. look, because you can pan the camera all around and see like all kinds of cool shit. So uh, yeah, I really do like the visuals. And on a, on a technical level. It, it holds up well enough. Like the remaster upscales really nicely and the character models definitely look like PS3 character models, but it's not bad. Did you play in 4K or 1080? So I actually did chomp 80 gigabytes of my hard drive with the cool. 4K uh, thing. Not that I have a 4K monitor, so I'm not really sure why I did it, but <laughs> it should look I did it just though, to right? see. Mm. I guess it looked a little, but I kind of regret, because then I had to delete some other stuff, and it was kind of inconvenient. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, not not enough to uh, warrant having sucked up that much of my hard drive. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about the what did you think of the graphics in like the opening cinemas? There are like three or four opening cinema scenes that you can oh, yeah. watch. Those are those are like kind of a relic now because those are like a totally different graphical engine with like really fluid sort of weird looking character hair and it's like those PS2 days where it's like this character in this scene kind of almost doesn't look like the character in the game itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's that weird sort of do do it like, oh, is this what he's really supposed to look like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Not to such an extreme degree, but the CGI in this game is a little jarring. It's a little disjointed in a way. Mm, well, there's not that much of it. It's just in the no. opening, right? It's in the opening, and I want to say, aren't there a couple scenes in the middle of the game where I'm imagining that? Probably imagining. That. I don't think there were any CGI scenes in the middle of the game. Just uh, opening There's and one ending, at the I end. think. Yeah. There's one at the very end. Like during the ending, you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think before you beat the game, I don't think there are any FMV, you know, pre-rendered sequences. No, I think you're right. You're right. Yeah. So just in the beginning. Yeah. I um. I always thought Troy Ace had really, really awesome artists. I don't. I didn't check who the artists were this time. I should have mm-hmm. probably. But you know, ever since uh, Star Ocean days and Valkyrie Profile days, if you like um, the whole, I know I love this. The whole moving uh, in a two D fashion, like to the left in that first town and seeing everything go by. Valkyrie yes. Profile is the game for you, man, because every dungeon <laughs> is like that too. Yeah. That is cool. And I guess since, you know, we brought it up, and I'm sure you brought it up in your, your intro as well, is that this is a Tri-Ace game. Yes. And they're kind of known for these this kind of particular world design. Are they? I think. <laughs> like, oh, a, not gimmick is like a bad word, but like a world design that has like a motif, like a really strong overarching like theme. I guess right? so. Well, what games or are you thinking Bajin of? Kaitos, right? Wasn't that them? Uh, those were Tri-Crescendo games, oh, I always which is similar, up. but yeah. Um, yeah, Tri-Crescendo has uh, Botan Kaitos and also, what's that other game that I love by them? Um, Eternal Sonata, which, man, yeah, the whole musical theme in that one. The graphics sure. are like the greatest thing in that game. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I see what you're saying. It's probably some of the same artists. I, I haven't checked who all the it same be, yeah. members are between Tri Crescendo and Tri Ace are, but uh, this one's just Tri Ace, though. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are other games where um, uh, just Star Ocean and Valkyrie Profile, which Valkyrie Profile okay. has Norse themes, I suppose. But I don't sure. know, it's pretty far off of the Norse themes. It's just uh, the character names and rough links to the Norse mythology, yeah. really. Uh, I always thought the world was kind of a standout, a little bit different than mm -hmm. than real Norse mythology. I would imagine because they make it look kind of beautiful. I imagine Norse mythology is actually more dark than that. I don't know though, <laughs> but um, yeah. So that's the world, and every most of the dungeons, uh, they all are all, you know, they're in this clockwork world tower. So mm -hmm. they also all kind of have a kind of a look to them where not, you know there's like the ice world but then it doesn't really look natural right no that's the part that kind of breaks it for me a little bit like i like the idea and the theme but they also try to have like well here's the ice biome I'm like aren't we on like a giant machine why is there like an ice world <laughs> well so that's it's called the alchemist the closet or something, or something yeah. like that or inside of like, there well, why but it all looks like it was a disaster or something like people used to live here and then this something happened <laughs> i don't know one I'm of like, the what <laughs> well one of the um uh cardinals cardinal barbarella the sexy one i believe she uh -huh. asks you to go there to pick up some cold medicine which yeah. she intentionally or no like some meat or something that she intentionally keeps in that area as though yeah. it is her personal freezer Right. Um, it's like, I wonder, did she, like, make that area her freezer? I don't know. So the way, I mean, maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit. The way that, from what I understand, the the concept of the world is, is that for whatever reason that they built the tower, they kept having to build it higher and higher and higher, and the upper class kept moving further and further up, and the lower levels of the tower got worse and worse and worse. Oh, and I it didn't... used to be nice. Hmm. And they kind of got like degraded. And so you have like the lowest of the low class at the bottom, which is all a bunch of ruined, ritzy, nice looking buildings that are just rubble, literally rubble. Yeah. And the further up you go, you have more standing structures, but they're kind of like dilapidated and abandoned. And at the top are just like mansions. Yeah. I I didn't know that detail that that was the reason why. Um, I just knew... I think it was like they kind of had to keep going, building higher and higher for some reason. Probably just because I mean more people wanted to move in, right? But I think um, I I would assume the reason they built the tower was that um, like some pollution was spreading cancer to all the people in the in the earth, right? And so this this giant tower is supposed to be. A giant purifi air purification tower, and that's why people can live here without worrying about it. It's not that they just went up yeah. and escaped it. It also like prevents diseases, and so nobody ever gets sick or like yeah. dramatically sick. Although one person does catch a cold in the story, that's kind of funny that that can happen, I guess. Yeah. So, but there aren't any uh, life-threatening diseases in the tower. Just natural, well, not naturally, but just like innately because of the way they built it. Yeah. So interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting concept. Like it's a really bold, sort of visually bold, but also sort of conceptually bold concept for a game world. It's it kind of mm. reminds me of uh, 
Xenoblade Chronicles. The first one? Where that, the, is that, or Xenoblade, is it just called Xenoblade? The one that was on the Wii. That was the first one, yeah, with Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah. yeah. So that one, where the whole idea is that the game world is built off of two dead giants that killed each other in a sword fight. I'm like, That's who the right. fuck comes up with this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> a crazy idea. <laughs> Tetsuya Takahashi comes up with that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And that was a cool idea, too. Made about as much sense as this. Yeah. <laughs> but I was, a, I was willing to overlook it. Also, like, one of the levels in this game, there's, like, a cave. And again, I was like, where, how are we in a cave? <laughs> was there a cave? I can't remember that. Is it Remember, like, the quartz cave or, like, the whatever mines of whatever? Oh, how yeah. are there mines here? There are <laughs> several mines. Up on a mines. machine. Well, that comes to part of the story, which uh, I'd like to talk about last because uh, the okay. story is kind of right. crazy. And I yeah. actually went ahead and looked up stuff to learn about it. Uh, and I mentioned in my sex segment that uh, they don't tell you everything in the game. <laughs> Uh, they must not because Lots spoiler of stuff you don't alert, know, right? I'm fucking confused. That's what, okay. <laughs> that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So that's the the graphics and the art style. Oh, well, were you down with the whole gray look of it? Because I kind of wish it had a a freaking like saturation increasing option. <laughs> uh, I'm not surprised you're saying that, but I didn't actually clue into. You're right. It is very like gray and brown and industrial looking. Yeah, I kind of liked it. Like especially some of the. I kind of ended up. I only I only say that I liked it having not really thought about it because all the character costumes that I picked were all very like darker kind of. They they fit the tone of the background, mm-hmm. and I kind of went with that instead of the brighter color costumes. I, I think that's just like a color scheme that I like in general. So I was going to ask um, you if you bought clothes. <laughs> I did, but I didn't change them a whole bunch because I found a couple that you like that uh, I really liked, especially for Zephyr with his coat and uh, that that A outfit. Okay, uh, I really liked on him and on Leanne her dress. I kind of like that dress better than like the weird t-shirt thing. Mm-hmm. And on uh, Vacheron, Vacheron, yeah, his B costume I thought was way better than that weird jacket shit he has. <laughs> Is that a uh, weird jacket? Shit looked normal to me. <laughs> it, it looked a little too cowboy y. It I is cowboyish. Yeah, he has is. that vibe. He definitely has that vibe, and he definitely is just uh, uh, what's his name, the voice actor, uh, Nate Nolan North. Nolan North, just doing Nolan North. I know, right? Yeah, totally <laughs> normal. Straight, his voice. Nathan Drake, like <laughs> exactly. fucking out of fucking Uncharted. I know, is, right? Is that dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, with no inflection or any attempt at not sounding like, like Nathan himself. Drake at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, uh, right? It sounded just like him. <laughs> but there are a lot of costumes, especially for Leanne. Yeah. God almighty, that's all you unlock when you go around the overworld. Yeah. Well, she's uh, the cute girl. What do you expect, man? <laughs> she's a cute girl. Yeah, I guess. You got to have at least 50 headbands for Leanne. <laughs> I know, uh, right? <laughs> all slightly different colors. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the, the little bit of dress up i like to have every once in a while i kind of swap out some of the colors but i did definitely settle um uh like a round of costumes and i just kind of left it there because i really liked it yeah i eventually did that too i went ahead and uh i in games that you can switch the costumes like for example tales of uh vesperia that we played you could do that that's the one with uh yuri 
And, um, uh-huh. and uh, you know, I kept thinking, like, you know, I have these kind of funny-looking costumes, but what what are the cutscenes going to look like if we're wearing those? <laughs> I don't know yes. if I want to do that. But since I played this game before, I went ahead and, and gave freaking Zephyr yeah. a, a, a T-shirt with a picture of a giant cheeseburger. And Perfect. So, and he's, like, wearing dark shades as well all the time. And I don't know. Okay. It, it, it kind of didn't mess up anything at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, I had fun with the clothes, too. And I, I tried to pick, you know, the colorful ones intentionally. But, yeah, it's like the saturation is not high in this game. That's just the art style that True. they chose. Yep. So that's cool. Okay. Let's talk music now. Did you notice there were two styles of music? Two styles. Yeah. I guess I didn't notice that there were two distinct styles. Um, what did you think of the music overall? <laughs> well, so that's that overall, um, there's a certain word like, that I'm expecting you to use. I wonder if you'll use it. <laughs> is it like grungy? Are you looking for that word? No, I, that wasn't the word. I thought you were going to say it's serviceable. I thought you were going to say Oh, that. okay. Or eclectic, <laughs> I was going to say, because there are some sort of serene orchestral pieces, and then it kind of gets into like a kind of grungy That's guitar. what I'm talking about. So those are the two styles I'm talking about. Um, okay. You may not have known this. Two different musicians, yo. Ooh. All right. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, all those uh, guitar songs. Can you imagine who did those? I'm bad with names. You'll okay. have to tell me. That's fine. Motui Sakuraba. He does all okay. the uh, all the pro- progressive rock songs in games. Yes, 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 yes. That's him. Yeah. So he that did all those. Oh, yeah, all the battle songs and stuff. You can just totally tell it's him. But yeah, all the freaking orchestra music and like the ones. I'm pretty sure the ones in like the CGI scenes and like the title screen. I'm pretty sure those were full live orchestras. That's what it sounds like. It does not sound fake at all to me. Uh, it sounds pretty good, especially the opening menu. Right? That menu sounds awesome, right? It does. It the, does. T- the title screen, right? Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. Freaking, uh, that's by Kohei Tanaka. And that guy hasn't done that many games, but he did the greatest game of all time, Alundra. <laughs> <laughs> and he kicked ass in that game, too. Uh, so I'm pretty impressed. This guy's uh, not all that famous, like in an, uh, among Western audiences, I don't think, or among gamers. But I imagine he must be unbelievably famous here in Japan and among just you know uh, uh, people who like anime because he does all the music for everything that is One Piece, oh, which okay. is one of the most famous animes ever made. So yeah, right, it must be pretty. Pretty epic, but he does a really, really awesome job of doing play PlayStation One. Um, we're talking Alundra now. PlayStation mm-hmm. One um, hardware orchestra music with Alundra, like it sounds pretty good. You know, you can tell what he's going mm-hmm. for and stuff, and I really like it. And then, yeah, you hear like that really freaking professional sounding full orchestra music in the beginning of uh, Residents of Fate, and then all of a sudden they play that opening song um, during the opening scene where. Where Rasheron goes to the seminary, and all of a sudden yes. it's freaking Motori Sagaraba, freaking progressive rock. It's like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there is. I kind of didn't piece it in my mind, but you're right. There is the town themes in a lot of these yeah. towns are very soothing, 
and especially the like kind of high flying orchestral pieces. Yeah. And every fucking battle theme is so like <laughs> prog rocky. Yeah, you're right. It's Sekiroba. Yeah. So um, no standout tracks for you. I didn't. I don't. Not really. No. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Serviceable is the right word for this. <laughs> I, I mean it. It's also like the, it's there's effort in here for sure because they on the on the part of I guess I don't know what you would really call it but like the sort of technical end of it because whenever you do a hero run the music ah. kind of changes and ups and turns like, yes it doesn't just get louder That's it right. does more things yeah <laughs> um it's uh, the same as for the audience it's the same as for example in Super Mario World. When you're just running through the level, and the moment you jump onto Yoshi's back, all of a sudden right. drums and stuff start at getting yes. added in. And so, yeah, they did that with the Final Fantasy VII remake, that opening area as well, where like when you're walking, you have one music, and then when you enter a battle, uh, it's like that same music, just a more aggressive version of it, and, which I really like. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty um... cool. But yeah, like you said, it, there's nothing there. I'm not. I'm not humming anything from the <laughs> from the game. I'm not. Nothing is stuck in my mind. It definitely did bring me back when I started hearing it because there aren't a lot of soundtrack like tracks on this soundtrack. <laughs> it's, yeah, there might not be. Yeah, I don't know how many uh, you know battle themes there are, but uh, not many. Like I feel, <laughs> it seems like every battle is the same song, right? <laughs> feels like every battle is the same song, and in sort of a close sort of neighbor to the soundtrack is the sound design. And Jesus, will you hear some of these voice clips a lot? <laughs> oh, um, yeah. When you enter battle and win battles and stuff, you mean? Yeah, when you enter battles, not only do your characters have something to say, the fucking enemies have something to say. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they fight and they hit, they shoot their guns at you, they have something to say almost every time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's the same three or four things the whole game. <laughs> Dude, Tri-Ace has always been the worst at that. Like, it starts from freaking the first Star Ocean back on the PS1 when there wasn't that much room for, you know, recorded music. They put a whole bunch of freaking battle quotes in there, and they just like, like <laughs> seriously, freaking every time you cast Thunderbolt, it's like Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt over and over again. Yeah, I I think those voice clips are honestly, especially from the enemies, are the thing that's stuck in my head. If anything, in this <laughs> holy cow, yeah. Yeah, overall, even though like there's no there's no song I want to burn onto a CD and listen over and over again, really, um, mm -hmm. I kind of felt like the two combination of styles did add the right atmosphere to it, at least. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it fits kind of the kind of wild, imaginative setting that we have, mm. which also, and we'll we'll get into it, I guess, is the the kind of wild and imaginative gameplay that's taking place here that's right and so that's what we're going to next we got to talk about the battle system Oof. so i've already actually i went ahead and explained like how it works to the audience okay. in my segment because uh um, i bet that was a challenge um i'm good at teaching i think so. okay all right i, I would think feel I a, a little i would feel a little <laughs> challenged if i had to just 
with words alone explain how to do this game. <laughs> I know, right? Because so did you do did you redo all the tutorials or could you remember how it went? I actually could uh, remember. I I had it was a I didn't want to redo the tutorials, but it was a slow process. And even then, because I'm not unless I'm forgetting, the tutorials don't exactly tell you every single way that you can play this game. They tell like you pretty much everything. But... They tell you what you need to know to win, but they don't tell you what you need to know to do like really well or to make yeah. things a lot easier on yourself. I for me, I remember my first time way back in the day that I it I spent an hour on those tutorials and I was like, Okay. And I I wasn't when I finally was like going on with the story, I was like, Okay, I'm not really sure what I'm doing even though I read all that and really it was just one piece of information that I hadn't really thought of and uh -huh. uh, that I wanted to be told, I thought. And that was you're supposed to do freaking hero runs all the time. Like Okay. Because you're because yeah. if you run out of hero gauge, you um you you die basically and um yeah you know using the hero run uses the gauge so i'll only use those when like on bosses and stuff is what i was thinking but if you just stand there hit the oh, attack wow. button yeah like <laughs> for the first many battles i was doing that, i was like this is not really going smoothly at all working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was really the only thing i needed to be told extra gotcha um, how about no, you so i'll tell you what i and this is like so how long you couldn't have gotten very far before you figured that out, right? Maybe I played like that for an hour or two. Okay. All right. I got an embarrassingly long way until <laughs> I realized that I was kind of fundamentally like handicapping myself in a lot of ways because I thought, so when you start out the game, uh, the, a battle, you have Vacheron in the middle, Zephyr on the left, and Leanne on the right. Yes. And they're positioned so that Z uh, Vacheron is slightly ahead of the two, or behind the behind two. Behind the two, yeah. So when he goes to make a hero run, he it counts as a pass. Yeah, I didn't mention that time. in the... Uh, in the. Uh, can I explain that real quick? I didn't mention Go that ahead. part. Yeah, so one of the additional abilities you can do in this battle system is every time somebody runs and guns at the same time, if they pass between the other two characters, they get a resonance point, and right. which you can you can do that multiple times. And if you have three or four of them, you can do what's called a try attack, where all three of your characters run around in circles and hit the enemy. So yeah, it's good to use those up. But if you have anyone move, make any movements other than a hero run, than the running and gunning thing, they lose those points. So you have to yeah. kind of plan it out. You can't, like, move this guy over to the left a little bit and then do it. You'll just lose points doing that. So go yeah. ahead, Mel. So what I was like... because All right, so... <clears throat> I didn't realize that you could press the right and left shoulder button to choose <laughs> who no. you start with. You thought you so had to. So <laughs> I was... But I thought... I was like, oh, well, okay, fine. Instead, what I'll do is I'll... Because I, I didn't know you could do that is I was pressing the, I guess, the circle button or the B button, whatever controller you're using, to cancel their turn. Yeah, but you and lose one that, resonance point for doing that. Well, if you have no resonance points, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so what I was doing at the start of every battle, because different people had different weapons, and that gets into another thing, but I was canceling Zephyr's, uh, Vacheron's turn to pass it to Zephyr, having Zephyr move in between to start a hero run the way Vacheron would, sort of. 
and then because they had different weapons at different times, it's like, well, this is the only way I can do it. And then other times, whenever you set up a hero run, like you're in a triangle, you passed each other tw at least twice. So you have enough points to do like a decent, attack. A, decent, a decent triangle. Like two points is usually enough to get off like a decent enough hits to make it worth it, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so <clears throat> if I ended that with, for example, uh, someone who had grenades, but they had really rare grenades or they had really rare ammo equipped. I was like, well, I'm boned. I'm going to waste this ammo if I start this try <laughs> attack now because I'm already selected on this person and I can't go back to that person or I'll blow all my points. Not only could you have used the L and R <laughs> buttons to uh, switch characters, you also could have pressed a button to change the ammo too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not only that, when you... so. Imagine you've used, you're at the last turn and it's like Leanne's turn. The other two guys already went. You can start press triangle to do the try attack. Mm -hmm. Then you can press L and R to start the try attack with whoever you want. Yes, you could do that. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I knew you could change the direction of the attack, like yes. what way they run. I knew that. Yeah. But I didn't know I could then freely go and start it with whoever I wanted change what they were equipped with <laughs> and, and then start the attack with like the correct weapons because yeah. there's a way that you should really be doing this there is and also even while they're running you can switch to the other character also that i also didn't know <laughs> i found that out i never found that out myself i actually found that out after i beat the game and i wanted to see how someone was like kind of doing the game like the quote real way yeah and i noticed like during try attacks he was like swapping dudes I was, like, what the fuck <laughs> oh man and the game doesn't tell you this okay. like you have to i guess press the buttons on your own and kind of figure it out like I a guess real so. adult like mm. i don't know but <laughs> i was like that if i knew that earlier on this game would have been a lot easier maybe not like crazy easier but it would have been less cumbersome um but yeah. the thing also and on my first playthrough i know i wasn't doing this is that you really have to sort of swap out everyone's roles in the fight to level them up more quickly yeah so let me explain that to the audience too. go ahead um yeah so your character the max level in this game is 300 and the way it works yeah. is you deal damage. You don't even have to kill the enemy. Just you deal damage with the machine yeah. gun. Your machine gun level goes up. And the max level for machine guns and handguns and grenades for any of them is 100 each. So you level all three of those um, abilities mm -hmm. up to level 100 each, and the max level will be 300. Uh, and, yeah, so which means – but you don't go up levels in handguns unless you use handguns. So you have to switch their weapons around, rotate them throughout the story yeah. and stuff. <laughs> And you can dual wield, which they do tell you at one they point, tell you. but not not like super directly. They're like, "Why don't you try it?" Burr, burr, burr. And it was like in a cutscene. It wasn't yeah. a tutorial. It was. It was a cutscene. <laughs> I thought that was cool. They're like freaking. It was. What was it like? I guess he hands Zephyr he hands an Zephyr extra gun, to an extra pistol, or something. Yeah, and he's like, "I didn't know you could even use two guns." And then Vashon's like, "Twice the guns, twice the bullets, yo." Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And you can do two of the same gun type. So you already explained, I assume, that there are 
pistols and there are machine guns. Those yes, are and two guns. that's right. And there's scratch damage and direct damage. Direct damage, that. right. So you can have two machine guns, submachine guns, whatever they're called, yes. and do the blue damage, the scratch damage. Yeah. And <clears throat> the thing, the, there is a penalty to dual wielding. All the gun stats do take sort of a penalty. They eat, They average, right? They average out. So you're not adding the stats on this gun. You're not like multiplying. You're not doubling your attack, basically. Well, so no, you basically are. So this, yeah, the charge speed, like the aiming speed or whatever, um, you know, that gets evened out. Uh, yeah. yeah, it doesn't get doubled. That's right. It gets averaged out. But the bullets, you you get double the bullets. Yeah, there's double the bullets. So that definitely goes a long way to making your character more potent in whatever. It in I don't know about you, but I found it way way more useful to double up on a machine gun than the pistols. I found them both very useful to double up on. Because I never found like direct damage. I I was like I don't care how much direct damage I'm doing. All I need to do is one point of damage. I just got to get on the on the scoreboard, oh, right. you know, because if they're all scratched up, then you just do any damage and it can't, like all of it ticks over to direct damage. Yeah, uh, that's right. You only have to do a single point, but I don't know. Um, if like maybe if it levels you faster in handguns so that your character level goes up, which means their HP goes up. That's really yeah. the key. And then their weight capacity to add more fucking scopes and shit on their gun goes up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, that goes up, but um, I don't know. Like, it's useful to have lots of bullets because, so for example, you know, later in the game, enemies have lots of different armor parts on them guarding their main body, and they don't die until yeah. you hit the main body. Yep. And um, but if you run and and shoot them, just here run forward and shoot them, you'll hit whatever's only in front of you. But if you jump into the air, you will randomly, like, it still calculates whether it hit the enemy, just depending yeah. on. On it, whether it flew straight forward and hit him or not. But then once it hits him, it doesn't actually count as hitting the spot right in front of them. It hits random parts of the body when you're in the air, which is interesting. Yeah, it's it's it is. I almost always jumped whenever it was like possible. Like jumping is the key. Super useful. Yeah, it's good. <clears throat> super useful. Um, and yeah, so I guess you you so the reason... there's two bonuses when you do hero mode. There's knockdown and then there's like knock up. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. things can happen too. But um, I just want to say that the 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 reason like more bullets for handguns is and more damage for handguns can be useful. Well, not more damage, just more bullets is basically because when you're in the air, um, it it's unlikely, but it is possible that you scratch damage the hell out of a whole bunch of different armor plates on this one enemy and then when you fly through to go and like turn them all into direct damage and actually break them off their body it is possible because it's kind of randomly decided where the bullets will hit <laughs> you hit you miss a couple parts that are completely scratch damaged and they just sit there remaining do you know what i mean yeah i do and but if also, you have more bullets that's less likely to happen <laughs> that's true so you do want to be producing more bullets whenever you can that's a pretty valuable especially for handguns it's valuable in that way um but i i always way favored machine guns because like that's where all the the work is being done in my opinion i was like that's it, it where totally all, is it totally that's is, the yeah. workhorse you know <clears throat> grenades are just for leveling up your character and some grenades are like op so that's like the last ditch you know <laughs> thing that i would equip but you have to take up a slot for that so you can't double up the equipment 
and you also can't carry items, which I almost never used. Items, you mean? Well, no, no, no. I always had somebody using the items be just for one thing. The escape hex. The escape hex, so you can just instantly warp <laughs> out of a dungeon. You don't yeah. have that. You gotta walk your ass back out, man. I made that mistake a couple times. <laughs> I got way deep into a dungeon that I was like, I need to go here because some mission, whatever. And I was like, oh, fuck me. I didn't bring... Because you can't change equipment when you're in the dungeon. Yeah, it's right. And all the rooms repopulate <laughs> yep. when you go at least one room away. And some of them, even when you just go away to, once. To the next room, yeah. Yeah, to the next room. Uh, but if you need to, you can kind of get away pretty easy. Like, it's not too hard to just get the hell out. Yeah. Um, worst case scenario, you can, use a hero gauge to, yeah, you can use a hero gauge to, yeah, you can use a shard, a, you know, one of the hero but gauge But you units. might run out. Like, I, I got myself into a pinch where I was almost out, and then I was like, oh, I have one bezel, so I can't use it. Otherwise, I'll go into, like, panic mode, and uh, which is what happens when you run out of hero shards. Your characters get panicked. And you can basically do nothing. You just die. Yeah, it's so unlikely to recover from the panic I've mode. I've done it. I have but too, but it's rare. You have to be like, it's, it has to be a guarantee. Like you have to almost have basically killed them anyway. Yeah. Um, exactly. But yeah, so you don't want to do that. So I was like, fuck, I have to run on foot, which is slow, like really slow. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I was taking all kinds of damage. You can only go so far before your turn ends. But, yeah, uh, the combat in this game, I was able to kind of get back into it pretty quickly. Like, a lot of it clicked back into place. Like, oh, yeah, that's how you do this. That's how you do that. And, like I said, I had a couple, like, funny gaps uh, where I didn't realize you could switch characters on the fly and whatever. <laughs> but... Um, I I thought it was really fun to pick up and get back into when I was playing, especially like if I took a little break, like maybe I didn't play for a day or two, and I'd come back to it. But if I had to play this game for like over an hour, it would get really tedious. Yeah. <laughs> so I mentioned that in my segment that it is admittedly very repetitive because yes. basically the main... I mean, we've said all the things. There's a lot of things you can do in a single battle, which sounds yeah. impressive. But you do those things in every battle. And so basically the way is you just machine gun the hell out of a guy and then handgun the hell out of a guy and then repeat yeah. for everybody. And if it's one of those battles where there's no leader, you have to kill every individual Ugh. enemy. And it's not very easy to kill two or three guys in a single turn in this game. No. It's not. I, I mean, you can do it. So what I often did was I had two people with machine guns mm -hmm. and one person with a handgun, and I would try to take out as many dudes with the handgun as I possibly could. But, and again, maybe I'm doing something wrong, because I think I saw a video of someone switching targets better than I was. Switching targets when you're in a hero run it's really hard. hard. It's so hard. <laughs> but I think I saw a video of someone like basically freezing time during a hero run, and I don't know how he did it. Well, I know that when you switch the target, like the it slows down, slows down a the, bit. 
Yeah, a bit. But yeah. you don't know what direction to press, and you only have a finite amount of like space to run. Yeah. So you're like switch, 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 switch. Oh, that's a barrel. Oh, that's a wall. Oh, that's a dude I don't want to target. Yeah. You know. And <clears throat> pressing up and down and left and right almost doesn't matter. It's like whatever the game wants is where you're going to go with the target. <laughs> yeah, I watched. You can't a... control the camera. Yeah, not during the the hero run. Not you can, but it almost doesn't matter. Like no, I, I don't think you can. I think you can only look at whatever you're targeting. And so you're right. Yeah, during yeah, the run. Yeah, during the run. I I watched the 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 one speed run of it that's out there. Um, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah, they don't have to do that much to win either. It's pretty cool. But um, yeah, I did see a guy like with like crazy end game gear that I definitely didn't get. I was like, man, you can just get buck wild with this game. <laughs> yeah, that the trice always like makes the last dungeon like puts the craziest freak, just turns it up to eleven in the in the bonus dungeon. Every trice game has a bonus dungeon, and every character can be turned up to eleven if you clear that thing. But um, goddamn, I I went in there after this playthrough, and I even grinded a little bit during the story, and I still could not fight just the first enemies in that dungeon because just they're strong, man. But um, yeah. what did I want to say? So in that speed run, freaking the guy was talking about you know sometimes um you can do all the exact same inputs in a battle and um be in the exact same positions. And still, if you push whichever direction button, it won't always target the same person you expect. Like, yeah. it's, that, that was the thing that he complained about during the speedrun, is that the targeting, the changing the targets is too hard. And I figured out a way in my mind to do it where basically even you didn't even have to, like, add this difficult function of freezing time or anything. All you could do, all you have to do is just, like, let you push, let's say, the L3 button where you press down the analog stick. Huh? Just, like... And just like you click it on one guy, and, it, and then a number one pops over their head, and then you click it on what? another guy, and a number two pops over the head. What? Wouldn't that be the awesomest thing? And then it. Oh, I thought you were saying that was a thing that did happen. No, no, no. It, this oh, is how oh. you could fix it. Is what I'm saying. Oh. Wouldn't that be amazing? I know, like, right? Holy shit. That's <laughs> blowing your mind just now. <laughs> I know. I, I thought you were, like, fucking giving me some deep secrets on this game. No, no, no. That's uh, what I would have done. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah. So that yeah. would have been a useful addition. But overall, the thing that just really impresses me is how they turned this totally action-y gun system, gun battle system, into a very controllable, you know, besides the targeting anyway, <laughs> a very controlled turn-based, fully turn-based RPG. No AI or yeah. anything to worry about, right? Yes. That is one of the reasons I was very uh, happy with this game for like as long as I was because it is kind of a, a repetitive grind but you have control over everything and a lot of times I caught myself kind of laughing to myself like Im imagining someone watching what I'm doing and here I am like 30 hours into this game just like look at this screen right now and tell me what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and just like laughing. Like, and I'm just sitting there thinking like, what the fuck am I doing right now? What is happening on the screen? <laughs> I know what it is, <clears throat> but it's crazy that I know what it is. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool, uh, like how, how you come up with a system like this. Only Triace could have done it, man. It's really? insane, right? Yeah. Yeah, the systems that are involved are pretty complicated. Like the overall execution on this, it's not actually that 
hard a game to do well at. It's not like you have to be a Once you know. You're not playing chess here. But there are a lot of layered systems that govern all the little details of what goes on. It's a complicated battle system for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, how was the difficulty for you through the campaign? Like, did you ever have to stop and grind or do anything? Oh, I definitely uh, got my ass handed to me and lost some progress, like a couple chunks of progress, like at one or two spots, because I entered a battle I couldn't win. Oh, and you can't exit out and of you it. You can't exit without losing all of your money. Or, or you can't reset. So I don't know if you touched on it, but if you die, you can reset with the same amount of bezel shards full as you came into the battle with for, for some like nominal a thousand or money. two thousand yeah yeah or you can refill all your hero bezels which is a thing that lets you do hero runs and i think fill your hp gauge as well for all your money minus one <laughs> so you can have one whatever dollar left that uh left over if you if you really fucking want to do that and i don't <laughs> so i never did that yeah it's a rare, rare thing to have to do though because usually you enter battles fully healed everything ready. i guess i guess i don't know what happened if i really just was under leveled enough or i wasn't doing the right thing or whatever it was <laughs> there was a couple of those like challenge battles with the red hexes yeah i had one that like I that too. Into, and the, mm. yeah there's one kind of early game, and I was like level 40-something, and the enemy was like level 75. <laughs> and I was like, there's no freaking way I'm going to do all that stuff that I already did before this over again. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like fought that guy like 10 times and somehow managed to find a way. <laughs> yeah, I think I may have done a very similar thing, maybe even with the same. One of those uh, challenge guys that has like the doll on it. Yeah, though. Yeah, it's one of those guys. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> is it the dude who does like the big arm slam? Like he does like the arm drop on you. Those like tall, golem troll looking dudes. Um, the dwell dwellists. Dweller dwellists. Yeah. Not the arm slam, but like they jump into the air and then land their they whole jump body. In the air on you, right? and they land. They do like a body slam. Yeah, yeah. though it was those guys. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think we had the same problem. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Because uh, I think there is a difficulty spike in the game around about there. The game difficulty in this game is like pretty reasonable. Like you're gonna have to try. You're unless you grind and you really know how to like exploit the battle system. Maybe you played it once before. In my opinion, this game's a little tough. Hmm. Yeah. You you definitely need to. Uh... One thing that is easy to, I think, get people mixed, messed up is just the fact that you do have to switch around the weapons so that they level up yeah. their HP. Because that's you just, very important. If you can't survive an attack, then that's the problem. Yeah, right you're there. gonna, you're, it's unavoidable. You're gonna get wailed on by these guys. They're just gonna dump all of their attacks into <laughs> at least one of your party members for a while. So yeah. they have to have the HP to stand up to this and also you have to be doing at least some of the side quests to have the accessories that cut down damage to some amount mm, yeah those uh, which leads me to a question i guess i quickly have for you did you ever take off the auto trigger i i decided not to use it you didn't use it i i kept it on all my characters the whole game <laughs> so what the auto trigger does is the um when you do the hero and you run from wherever you are to the other end of the of the stage, and uh, you shoot guys along the way, but you have to wait for your you know your aiming to charge up, so to speak, 
And so once you get near the, what you want to do is let it just aim and aim and aim and aim and then let out all your bullets all at once with your best possible aim way at the end of the run. But if you, by mistake, happen to not press the button before stopping <laughs> at the end, you just lose the turn. <laughs> it's, it's over. And the auto trigger will use whatever charges you have at the end of your run. That's right. Even if it's just one charge. Yeah. Which can sometimes be a little annoying because it's a waste of time, but it's <laughs> yeah. not like there's ammo in the game. There's no ammo unless you equip special ammo. Yeah. But uh, so you might want to turn it off for that reason. More likely, you probably want to not have it on because you want to put another accessory that gives you better defense or better buffs. Yeah, that's what I wanted, so I didn't use that thing. Yeah, I left it on. I <clears> guess <throat> I was finding myself having a harder time because of it in hindsight but because <laughs> um, some of those accessories are like cuts physical damage by 30 percent. that's a lot <laughs> so, right yeah that's a lot <laughs> i know right <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so how, yeah mm, did you it sounds like you did some side quests did you do lots of them or what did you do i think i did all of these missions that i found on the mission board that's like I all the quests man yeah I don't know that's all of them because sometimes new missions showed up on different mission boards. No, no, no. It wasn't because it was a different sure? mission board. It was just because oh, okay. you maybe did another mission. So like, and it checked again? Okay. Yeah, so like, there's there are only a few chapters where that happens, but like, there are a few chapters where you can go to the mission board and get like three missions, including the main story mission. You can uh -huh. do all those missions, and then if you go back to the board after you've done those, there'll be yeah, a yeah, couple yeah. more. Yeah, I definitely did that. So I must have done all of them. I'll tell you what I didn't do. The fucking battle arena. Oh, my God. You don't want to do the fucking battle arena. <laughs> I do not. I don't. You earn, like, pennies. No, you get lots like, of... Well, I uh, yeah. Uh, maybe eventually. Maybe eventually, in a couple yeah. years. Yeah. But fucking... They hand it out real slow, and they make you kill a lot of the same fucking enemy a lot. There are 50 <laughs> battles in the arena, which doesn't sound like too much to me. It sounds like a good number. But then the thing is, to open up the wait, next... Wait, 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 wait. There are 50 tiers. 50 battles. Well, listen. there, Yeah, 50 battles, let's say, in there. And then, But the thing is, you're not allowed to open up the next battle until you beat the previous battle three times. Yes, and you can't get a star next to the <laughs> next to the thing and get the platinum trophy unless you've de beaten each battle ten times for a total <sighs> of five hundred battles, and none of those battles have leaders. When there's a leader, you can just kill the nope. leader and the battle is over. But there's no leader; you got to kill everybody individually. <sighs> yep. So, so let's say every battle is about five minutes if you're really fucking fast. It doesn't take five minutes to do one battle, does it? Okay, three minutes? Let's say three. Times 500 divided by 60. That's 25 hours! <laughs> of just it's just fighting. that shitty-ass battle arena. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> I mentioned that this is like the worst game to 100%. Oh my god! It's basically just because of the arena. <laughs> it's so bad! Like, I remember trying to do it when I first played this game... And I was like, I don't, because it unlocks progressively. If you're really on it, you're on top of it. You're like, I did all the battle arenas I can for this chapter. Time to move on to the next chapter. I did everything in the yeah. chapter. Blah, blah. And then the next chapter happens, and you're like, 
I guess I'll do the battle arena at the end of the chapter. And then you go do the chapter and you do all the interesting things. And then you're stuck with like, oh, I can move on to the next chapter. I can do these 10 fucking battles or yeah. 20 battles or whatever. That's and the then thing. you're like, I'll do it next <laughs> chapter. And now you have 40 battles and you just never do them. Exactly. <laughs> when the unlocks for it, I'm sure I look down the list and some of them I don't think I really understood all the way I, I think there's a couple guns you can get in the game yeah through, through the battle uh, um, maybe a couple mm. cool like ultimate items or some shit but none of it looked compelling <laughs> <laughs> the the best stuff you can get i mean there's there's some useful um i think you can get freaking experience trainer uh accessory which is the one that increases how much experience points you get oh, from okay, shooting guys yeah. And I went all out because my plan originally was to go ahead and platinumize it, but uh, <laughs> and, and so I did. Another really freaking awesome thing in this game that um, I'm really in, I really love that Trias does this. They started doing this since Valkyrie Profile Two, and I think that's why that's probably my favorite RPG battle system ever. Um, but in this one, they have this thing where you can there are these terminals throughout the cities, and you can use colored. I explained it kind of, but they're like the the whole world map is made up of hexagons, but they're like hard blocks that you can't walk across until you unlock them with these yeah. hexagon pieces that are in your inventory. Mm -hmm. But some of the hexagon pieces in your inventory have colors, and if you can if you can link the the floor turns whatever color you use on it. So you can go to these these terminals, these like power station kind of places where it says like this station has a effect of experience times two or right. knock up knock into the air rate times two and all these different things and so i got like i just went ahead and grinded for all the all colored ooh, hexes ooh. that i could and i freaking like got let me think because the arena has the most useful ones that you can do um i connected to the arena to make it the most worthwhile i think plus times 1.5 experience times double all the effects of all terminals and then oh increase your regular item drop rate, increase your rare item drop rate, and like oh boy, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of cool. But even knowing that you're getting all this crazy stuff and more experience, it just freaking wears you down, and it's not fun. It wears you down, and you're really actually not getting that much crazy stuff. You're just getting gold chips and silver chips, which you sell for some money. That's right. Yes. <laughs> So, like, really, if the enemy has a rare drop, it's a gold chip. <laughs> no, no, no. That, um, <laughs> usually the rare drops are the uh, the hexes for unlocking the world map, and the gold chips are, like, the the Extra. rare drop if the if you get a bonus shot when they're in midair. Okay, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which is crazy. Getting the timing on that bonus shot, it's hard. Like, it's it's not... It's easy. <laughs> what do you mean? Ooh, uh, what are you talking about? You knock them into the air, and... Um, Oh, you mean to get the shot, to get the yeah. chance to shoot him. Yeah, this freaking to gauge goes around. To land that dial, because the little spinning dial goes around and around. And the more you hit them, the, the wider the success range is. But, it I mean, you got to hit them a lot, and you got to land the shots. And it's not always feasible to make it a really wide. But also, the timing on that button press is deceptive because it doesn't stop when you press the button. Yeah, it stops a little bit after. It stops a little after. And it's already <laughs> moving that. pretty fast. I so I, it, like, I almost go into a small panic whenever I see it pop up. <laughs> I usually don't worry about it and just go ahead and fill it up more so I can increase the success range and then it's easy. True, but I, I want to make sure I'm doing it 
with a guy with a machine gun because it it means more usually. Yeah, and that's the good it's damage, more yeah. useful. Yeah, yeah, it's the good damage, and that's the more bullets. So if I do it with a dude with a gun, a handgun, I'm like, I don't want to do it with that. Or someone with a well, you can't do it with a grenade, but uh, you know. So I'm trying to like save it for the right person. It's, it's like stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I I really think that um. They wouldn't have made this battle system if they had not made the battle system that they did for Valkyrie Profile 2. Mm. And they wouldn't have made that battle system if they hadn't made the battle system they made for Valkyrie Profile 1. Um, just like they, they really built up and built up upon it and they, and they created this really, really unique thing. Because in Valkyrie Profile 2, enemies have, it's P- PS2. Uh, enemies have body parts and you can break them off if you just stand in the right spot. You can't like run and jump and shoot guns and stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, you line yourself up to aim at the part of their body you want to hit and uh, you know, you have high attacks and low attacks and you use all those things the correct way and you can hit the part you want to hit. And the way it works is just quickly, you push the button and the and your guy attacks and you have four guys and you have four face buttons and so you can just mash them if they and uh, hopefully none of the attacks miss or you can carefully plan out who should hit when so that no, no attacks miss or whatever. And then when you break the part off, there's some small percentage that you'll enter break mode where it's, mm. it's kind of like that bonus shot where basically you have a small amount of time to just wail on him for f- the enemy freely with all your characters infinitely. It's like so fun. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting you. I'm getting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so amazing. And I, I tell you, man, the, some of the coolest, most unique battle systems ever are from Tri-Ace, yo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm beginning to understand this more and more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, gotta, I gotta just repeat it again. The conceiving of this battle system, I think, must have involved some kind of drug. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so wild. Like, how all... I would never put all this together. And I feel like I'm a fairly creative guy. Mm. And just, like, coming up with all these systems... And making them like fit together, and then also, I, we really haven't stressed the kind of fun, uh, like ridiculousness of the setting and the concept of the battle system with these gun attachments. And I'm sure you touched on it in your script. Well, I wanted to ask you about that. How much did you customize your gun? How many scopes did you put on it? Oh boy, I mean that's hard to like uh, as many as I could, like fucking. <laughs> At some point, and it's probably because I wasn't like the the the, the customize customization system does get a little daunting, a little cumbersome when once you've already gotten like full into it, having to undo and like re-customize yeah. your guns gets a yeah. little fucking. And then you get a new gun. Or there's a couple new guns in this game. There's like maybe three or four extra guns that you yeah. can get, <clears throat> and you come in with a new gun where the base stats are like better to some degree or sort of whatever. And then it's like, well, do I really want to like figure out this fucking insane configuration all over again with this other gun? (laughs) I mean, I guess this one has more slots on it and whatever. So I did that a couple times, but at some point, like not all the way through the game, like maybe half or three quarters of the way through the game, I just stopped customizing my shit, which I guess I know this toward the end because it really was kind of a pain 
at the very last dungeon in particular, like those guys were bullet sponges. Uh, and I was like, I bet <clears throat> I'm not doing this right. <laughs> I was able to win, hmm. but I was like, I think this is taking too long. Like I was able to get there by using like crazy OP ammo. I was, uh, saving up or OP like grenades that do like all the damage. Um, Although I have to say, I, more than a couple times, I blew through some very valuable ammo because I forgot I had it equipped. Oh, man. <laughs> and it, it gets used every time. And it had like 50 of the machine gun ammo that like pierces targets and basically is guaranteed to do like all the damage. Hmm. And I think I wasted all of that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even bother using a lot of those things until like the near the end of the game. No, yeah. I, I well, there were a few times, but mostly I never bothered using that stuff. Maybe I should have used it more, but you got to just fight and fight and fight to get all the items and then take them to the, to the, not the tinkerer, the guy who breaks scrapper, it down. The scrapper. Guy. The scrapper. Scrap all of the items that are good for scrapping. Sell all the items that are good for selling. Yeah. And then go to like the tinkerer and have him, you know, make a bunch of ammo for you and stuff. And like you have to fight more to fight better. Find anything good? You know where to find me. Oh my god. That's another <laughs> yeah. thing. It's those guys say the same fucking thing every time you go into and out of their shop. <laughs> yeah. And you have to go back and forth a lot. Yeah, there aren't that many locations in this game, and then some of them get reused over and over again because you have to go to Chandelier, yeah. the place where all the rich people live, over and over again. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, but yeah, that that customization process to sort of answer your question, I was, um, I really love it because it's insane. It's insane. Where you go in, you go in and you just add scopes on scopes on scopes, and then you add barrels on fucking hand grips on barrels on hand grips. Yep. And for some reason, that makes your gun more accurate, or you know, your gun will have like sixteen barrels and fucking <laughs> hand grips on barrels, and none of it makes any sense. And there's yeah. scopes in front of scopes, but it, you you understand it, like. Oh, this scope makes your gun more accurate. So three of them makes it three times, right? You exactly. Know? <laughs> That's exactly how it works. I know. Which is great. I love it. I love that Thank they're just God. like, fuck it, like guns, whatever. Yeah, all right. And then <laughs> it's not reflected in the game at all. <laughs> yeah, you can't see it. That would be you can't crazy. can't see any of that? If you I know. see it on the guns. <laughs> I know. So and the barrels are all pointing weird ways. Like it doesn't even matter. So <laughs> they're not, the barrels aren't connected. Connected to where the bullet comes out, even no, they're connected <laughs> to a hand grip. Yeah, and some of the some of the barrel individual barrel pieces are just three barrels that are just loose. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so they're fully aware of how ridiculous this is supposed to look toward the end, but they never address it. <laughs> it's not in the this story. Is, yeah, <laughs> they never directly address it outside of that customization menu. It's just like I guess I'm doing this. Sure, I love it. <laughs> well, how did uh, you want them to address it? I don't know, because it's, it's really crazy. I don't know how they would, though, but either, like, to your point, I don't know, what what would they do? They would but, do exactly uh, <laughs> what they did with the freaking, um, with the two guns cutscene, where they'd be like, here, here's an extra scope. And he's like, I didn't know you could use two scopes on a single gun. Twice yeah, the scopes, twice the aiming power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so... That's fun. I think that's one of the standout sort of things that most people think of when they think of this game, if they've played it, uh, that the battle system, the world sort of design. 
Um, but I guess, uh, not to leave the discussion, but I guess the, the other thing that they would probably think about is the fucking batshit story. Yep, <laughs> you've led it. So, I mean, that's basically all that's left is the characters and the story. Let's go characters first. Um, there are, like, three characters in games that I have seen in this world, in, in all of my games, um, that I thought... They were believably cool, but at this, like, I could believe that there's a person as cool as that, but at the same time, I don't know, is there really anybody as cool as this person? And those three characters are um, Yuri from Tales of Vesperia, ridiculously cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I don't mean like cool as in you, he's your type or anything, like, you love him, just he's a badass yeah, he's a cool character yeah, yeah. you know in, in the classic word e- meaning yeah. of the word cool he's a cool guy yeah you know he, he's super um, what's the word I'm looking for competent and super cool and even a yeah. nice guy um, the guy what's oh the other guy who's also named Yudi from uh, Shadow <laughs> yeah. Hearts Covenant yeah right that's freaking, right <laughs> freaking cool guy Freaking cool guy. Yeah, he's another cool guy. Yeah. And freaking Vashron is like the top of the list for me. Uh, he's, uh, yeah. He's even cooler in Japanese, I would say. You know, his voice actor in English is kind of bland, as we said. Um, yeah, he is. But like, man, so many freaking co- comedic moments with him, and they're all better in Japanese. But yeah, I don't know. Just the coolest guy in the world, it seems. You know, he walks around this freaking tower, religious <laughs> fanatic, freaking you know, city that he lives in, in freaking cowboy gear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he seems to be like, everyone knows who he is, and he seems to know that everyone knows who he is. And he's like this, like, very seasoned mercenary. uh, So he's got a lot of cool points, for sure. Anything to say about any of the characters? Like, the main characters? Um... I think really Vacheron is the one that you could really kind of discuss the most. Like Zephyr is an emotional angsty guy. Yeah. He's got sort of a reason for it though, mm. but it's not, a, not a reason I gave a shit about. And Leanne is the mysterious girl. Plot, plot girl. girl. <laughs> yeah. You the know. mysterious plot girl. And they have a love interest between her and Zephyr. So that's cool. That's true. Sort of, but yeah, you're right. They never really get into it, but yeah. They don't really get into it. It's almost more like a weird brother-sister thing in a way, I thought. I don't think it's that. I think it's going to be full-on love eventually. Just I think that's the idea, but it almost felt they almost felt more like a family unit. Like, like Vacheron was sort of like the disheveled, the dad. divorced dad and the... The other two were the kids. Like there was definitely that dynamic, at there, least some of the way. Oh, he even says there's like that one scene where um, Zephyr and Leon Leanne take a job, just the two of them, and mm-hmm. in that job they have to pretend to get married. Um, oh yeah. And then freaking it turns out Vacheron took like the opposite side of that yeah, job. To, like, Somebody wanted to sabotage the wedding. To or sabotage something. the wedding, and he rise, He comes in. And he's like. Freaking Vashon's like, Daddy does not approve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he does have some good lines. Like, the writing isn't bad. I just wish I knew what the fuck was going on at least some of the time. <laughs> okay, so let's talk the story. Because after okay. I look stuff up, I kind of know what's going on. Kind of. Okay, I figured this was going to be the case where I was like, I bet if I just, like, stood back and absorbed the story, like in a cogent manner not so disjointed maybe or whatever i i read a synopsis i would 
it's not that I didn't think the story wasn't ex- there. It's just like I, they don't I, go I into stuff. every turn. I never knew what the fuck anyone was talking about ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So like opening scene is important, right? So the opening scene. Um, I already told the audience in my section like what you can learn just by playing the game, but there's sure. still all these questions. Um, but opening scene. One of the it's got a cool Motui Sagaraba prog rock song, and freaking Vacheron looks like a badass. Goes into a seminary that has been mm-hmm. all shot up by this guy who has machine guns, and mm-hmm. so I guess Vacheron was hired by the cardinal who was running that seminary to uh, to take out the guy who just shot up the place, uh, killed all the kids that lived there and everything. Terrible, right? Vacheron mm-hmm. goes in there, kills the dude. And you find out later. You know what you find out later, right? Wasn't it Zephyr? That that guy was actually Zephyr, yeah. And you also find out later, because what they do, the last scene of that scene, I didn't think they would go that far, but the last scene of that that video, freaking Vacheron puts his gun into Zephyr's mouth. And then, Mm. of course, they don't show it. They pan up, and then you hear the papa, two bullets. And you think, okay, maybe he got out of it somehow, or he couldn't go through with it or something. Turns Mm. out... He did go through with it. He did shoot Zephyr, and Zephyr didn't die. Do you know mm. why that is? Uh, something, something, quartz, crystal, something, magic. <laughs> it's the quartz thing, yeah. So um, there's that. that uh, basically, to, to put it quickly, his quartz wasn't time to, to be broken. <laughs> so, he, so he didn't okay. die. It's simple as that. Um, okay. And... Uh, did you watch that one? Did you watch that one? Free, I freaking love the one scene where if you just don't press anything during the title screen, a couple scenes start playing. Did you watch any of those? Not this time through. Do you know? Oh, man. It's such a cool scene. Freaking. So two of the villains, if you can call them that, Rowan and Sullivan, right? Uh-huh. Freaking Sullivan's like, hey, um, you know, you're the, you're the cardinal who rules this place now because yeah. prelate Freda died. Freda yeah. died. So for now, until we have a new prelate, you're the boss. Let me uh, show you our god. Because the whole thing in this tower is that all the high-ranking people are religious people. And, like, religion kind of runs this society. And, uh, you know, he he thought, I guess Rowan thought that, you know, we all had faith in God. And God was choosing our fates for us. It turns out this gigantic machine that was built into this tower a thousand years ago when the tower was built called the zenith is the quote-unquote god the thing that decides when people die and Hmm. freaking rowan sees that and he goes out of his goddamn mind like no how can i continue leading the people in the name of faith now that i've seen this like that (laughs) and it's really cool and really dramatic and i really enjoyed it so (laughs) that machine the zenith controls who dies when completely so they they live in a giant like death clock is basically what I'm gathering here. So they don't just live in a clock. They live in a clock that's like counting down a doomsday clock. Gonna, I guess so. Yeah, that counts down when they're gonna die. And um, I guess that that makes a lot of sense now that I kind of put that into focus. <laughs> yeah, and so that that machine zenith or whatever that links everyone's life to a piece of quartz. A, a quartz stone. Which I don't fully understand. I don't know how it's, that works either. But. Like the, the they're like that scene where they're like, "Oh, look, it's a quartz. It's in this cave." I'm like, "You guys are like thousands of feet in the air in a machine. How are you in a cave?" 
Right. I, I don't know how the quartz was put there. I don't know that. <laughs> like, what? It's not a cave. Cause it, like, what's going on? <laughs> Somebody, it's probably man-made, right? Because, like, I guess. I mean, it has to be that must be. the reason people in this tower don't die from any diseases is that all their life is put into the quartz, and so nothing so can kill is them. So the implication that this tower is actually man-made, or is it, like, God-made? No, no, no. That tower, there was some... So I, I don't think they said it in the game, but I was, you know, reading up some yeah. stuff. And no, somebody built that tower a thousand years ago to deal oh. with all the cancer that was on the earth. That Ew. Some a human built this and designed it, and then lots of humans built it together, of course. Oh, okay. So one guy designed it, yeah. And it was just for the purpose to escape all the pollution down on the surface. And, uh, okay. Yeah, so so it's possible, you know, it's not a natural cave, but it's possible somebody just got all those quartzes together and put them in yeah. there, maybe. That's what I always So is this about. also supposed to be where all the remaining humans on Earth or whatever are living? There are a bunch of people... So It's so confusing, because they don't tell you a lot, but um, they... Everybody wants to go live in there, but there's, like, space restrictions, obviously. Oh, sure. And so not everybody could go in there. And so when they finally decided to close the door, like, okay, we're not accepting any more people into this tower, sorry. All the still people who wanted to come in, who lived on the Earth, couldn't come in, and they just had to live in the pollution. Mm -hmm. And I guess over the, that past thousand years or so, they evolved. And so now, many of them died, I suppose, but some of them evolved. And an example of like that, what kind of humans now live down there is that freaking girl with the demon wings that freaking <laughs> Sullivan had. Remember that girl? And you didn't know who yeah, the hell she was? Yeah, I didn't know what the hell she was. Yeah. Me neither. Me neither. The whole time, like, who the hell? What is she doing? I don't know. But yeah, supposedly that girl is, is um, someone from the surface. And they've, they've all wow. evolved to be like her. And now people who live on the Earth's surface are now the ones that lived through it are immortal, I guess. Like, oh completely God. immortal, because they don't have courts either. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's an interesting thing. And so, the whole, the whole, the whole story, I guess, with Sullivan and Rowan, uh, was that, so, so Rowan wanted to just do what Fre Frida, Prelate Frida wanted to do, and that was to free everyone from the fate of God. Um, the, mm. the courts thing, I guess. I guess mm -hmm. she knew about it. I guess she knew, but Rowan didn't know that it was a machine, maybe. Um, but uh -huh. Sullivan also wanted to do that, but his way was like, he was, um, you know, he had that girl from the outside and he was studying her, I guess, to try to be like her or whatever in that they can live outside and they don't need courts. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, there's no bad guy really, just. No, there's just like people who have. Ambitions. Know, other <laughs> ambitions. <laughs> yeah. Ambitions, um, but like they're not bad for the world, really. But not and, really. And, and so the way that Sullivan was running the experiment was that he had 20 courses and he knew whose they were and he broke mm. one a year. Uh, you know, and then somehow that was going to be also part of the research. And so I don't know what happened at the end. They didn't end up breaking the 20th courts, which was supposed to be Leanne's one. Right. Because they show at the ending that she had her courts, so right. somebody gave it to her or took it, and they did decided just not to break it. I don't know. Still lots of questions. But huh. I think that's the bulk of it. And so what are we what are we really stopping though? Like what are yeah. we preventing as we fight to the last boss 
Queen. The last boss is being freaking I Rowan, right? I don't know. Rowan yeah, I don't know why right? we why we kill that guy. Yeah, sure. I think. And Ro at the very end, at the end, past the credits, he shows your characters walking out into like a meadow, into like <laughs> the normal Earth, I guess. Yeah. Right? And and freaking Leanne has her courts with her again. So yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah. What's up. So, I mean, once I've kind of, this is where I was, like, kind of trying to get was, like, sort of a perspective on the story. Because when you're in it and you're just trying to play the game, it's very hard to, like, understand exactly what everyone's saying. Yeah. Um, everyone's very dramatic in that sort of anime way. And everyone's yelling and upset a lot. <laughs> or, or they're joking and they're making quips or there's boobs. <laughs> and so it's a little hard to like understand what the game is trying to say but i guess on another hand it's not very surprising that a game that features a heavy sort of clock motif is also a game where the plot is very fatalistic you know so it's it's about everyone's sort of time on earth mm. and what are you going to do when your time runs out and everyone has a set time and what, you know, are you going to defy that fate? Are you going to, in the Japanese sort of English name, end of eternity sort of implies <clears throat> like, uh, you know, a contradiction, right? Yeah. So that's kind of what these characters end up doing is contradicting like the sort of fatalistic thing that we kind of cornered ourselves into of, oh, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. So let's build this thing that defies whatever this natural disease is. And now we're sort of trapped in here. And the idea is that, well, people are dying. They are getting sick. It just took a very long time. And now there's no other way out. Hmm. And now they're all stuck in this sort of birdcage that they made for themselves. Yeah. Where you can't <clears throat> do anything. And you're in this sort of machine, sort of depressing and soulless. But, um, yeah, and it's full of, like, crime and decay and all of that crime and decay sort of souping up the tower as it goes. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I guess, you know, once you put it into perspective, that, that all does kind of line up in a way. Quartz also is a sort of key material in watchmaking. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, like the quartz in a watch is I don't ex I don't know enough of, to say exactly what it is, but, but it's there used. is a quartz piece in most timepieces, pocket watches, any kind of uh, mechanical watch that does help regulate the time, like make it regular. Huh. Um, whether it's a wind-up watch that you have to wind that loses its momentum or whatever, but the key is that your watch needs to be regular, otherwise you're going to drift and it's going to lose seconds and you're not going to be keeping time accurately anymore. Yeah. But there is some kind of piece in there that has something to do with quartz. So that is another theme that kind of plugs in. So if your quartz breaks, you run out of time. So, you know, that kind of thing. Huh. Um, so it makes sense. You know, it, it's not a total fucking random shit show like it seems <laughs> when I'm when I'm playing the game. And I kind of knew that to be true. I just couldn't have explained it having only played it and not really done any research. Um, Even after so, doing the research, yeah. it's still kind of confusing. It doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. even after that. <laughs> and I think there is something to be said for a game that can't stand on its own legs. Like, you have to go out and do this sort of like legwork yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like the game maybe didn't do the best job 
the the cutscenes are all like I always feel like did I miss something? Was I not paying attention? Who said? Is this person yeah. picking up a set? Like, did they skip a cutscene? What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> What's he talking about? Who is this person? <laughs> yeah, the, there's only like a few times when they really give you an answer. Like they finally tell you, okay, it was Zephyr who shot up the seminary, but they never tell you why he did yeah. that. Like I thought, okay, he's just that. a criminal. That's what I thought. He's mm-hmm. just a bad guy. That's what I thought, and um. They then you know they eventually tell you that it it was him and Vashon did actually shoot him but he didn't die because Zenith decided so do to keep they him get alive. into why he did that I don't think they do I read that so is he just like a crazy guy I read that like he was one of like all the kids in that in that seminary were experimented oh maybe they were oh. experimented upon by Sullivan mm. and maybe 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 freaking What's his name? Um, no, that's not true. I don't. I'm not sure. I don't know who who there was. I guess there. It had to be Sullivan. He's the only one doing experiments in this game. So sure, yeah. So he, I guess, experimented on those kids. You know, to try to find the um something to find the way to break to break free of the courts thing. I guess. And yeah, like it's kind of weird. I'm not really sure what its purpose is, but like you're gonna find out as. As time goes on, you know, there's that one mission early in the game, and it's part of it's like a story mission, but it seems kind of meaningless until I kind of reflect on it now. And that's the one where freaking Cardinal Garigliano wants you to bring him <laughs> a model uh-huh. to, that he's going to like take a picture of and then paint later or something, or make a statue of that person. Uh-huh. And so, freaking, you just like paint freaking Vacheron paints Leanne's face up all flowery with weird face paint. Takes uh-huh. him to Grigliano, and like, I'm thinking this guy is always talking about art, and he walks around carrying a picture frame. Yeah, there's no way that this could be like the good the the way to get this mission clear. And he freaking is like, oh my god, it's the most amazing, beautiful person I've ever seen, and there's some dramatic and meaning behind this and that aspect of your face, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then it turns out. I re- I realized later that actually she looks almost exactly like Prelate Freda. Freda. Yeah. Yep. And I didn't really know what the point of that was either at first, but that turns out that all those 20 kids who were going to have their courts broken one per year were all like created clones, attempted clones of Freda. Yeah, I caught that. For like some I knew reason. she was part of like a batch of either experiments or like she wasn't a real person or something. She was definitely some kind of experiment and she either got away or was let loose or something. And then she was supposed to die. Like she had a year left to live and then she just didn't die or something. Mm. (laughs) Frida or Leanne? Leanne. Yeah. So that's the thing. I thought they were going to break hers, her, thing but then like i said at the ending she's holding her court so they didn't break yeah. it she found it they gave it to her i don't know <laughs> so i, I, I don't guess, know either i guess at that point they figured out that they had succeeded or something because you know like we said at the end freaking vacheron guys just walk out into the freaking earth and mm. freaking in the last scene um sullivan is also just out out of the tower on the ground and he sees that freaking um that girl that that demon girl that 
who was supposed mm-hmm. he's always with him the whole time and he's like hey i'm like you now or something so i <laughs> i i guess like this experience succeeded or something but also the ground looked all beautiful in those ending cutscenes. like it wasn't polluted it at all yeah so, and the ground around the tower if you ever look around on the overworld looks like shit yeah so what happened <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah it's a crazy thing um yeah, it's so that's interesting. A <laughs> that's the story, I guess. Did any I of you guys understand that? <laughs> yeah, maybe you guys have more insight in on this. If you guys are like uh, big residents of fate buffs, <laughs> yeah, you really know what the hell happened in this video game. Let, let us, us know. know, please. We we're interested. On, we, I'll listen. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. So well, that's the story. Yep, and I think that does it for this uh, episode. That was pretty interesting uh, talk, I think. Do you have anything else to ask me about this game or say about it? Um, I, I'm sure one or two things that I was going to come in proud, but they've slipped my mind. So I think we can leave it there. I mean, we, we were pretty thorough in this. This is over. Oh, I remember now. This is um, a – it's just a quick thing. This is a uh, a, a mid-tier – role-playing game the likes of which we really just don't see anymore mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's not like a block but it's not final it's fantasy not triple a yeah. yeah it's not triple a it wasn't even you know? final fantasy 13 right when it came out it was not PS3. no i mean it, yeah. that was another triple a title that was another blockbuster i mean yeah by that was like at the depths of when japanese development was a thing but it was still a triple a title it was a big release this was not and there really aren't any turn-based, mid-tier, like kind of average budget games. And maybe they'll come back because, like we've been saying, These Japan is on a big up up uptick. Japan yeah. development, like I think there's a lot more focus on them. They're kind of hitting it. Like people like RPGs again. They like you know survival horror, Resident Evil's coming back. All these things that Japan is sort of famous for and made its bones with are kind of coming back mm-hmm. and people are getting their, their appetite for it. And development money is starting to flow again. And I would like to hope that, you know, maybe not a resonance of fate too, but in, <laughs> in that way, a game in that way is going to come back, you know, a mid tier turn-based sort of Japanese RPG is going to come our way the sometime during the PS5 generation. Hmm. There'll probably I be hope. another like basically anything that Trace makes these days. These days, is the uh, you know the middle tier budget game. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially now they're not they're not all that big because Starship Five was not much of a hit. So mm-hmm. whenever they get their chance to make another big console game, it'll probably be, probably be <laughs> around this size or so. Um, another mm. game that came out. Um, that was also published by Sega, and it was a turn-based RPG, and it was, I would say, maybe mid-tier, and also on the PS3 was Valkyria Chronicles, right? So that was about that is true. About the same time. Like I, I, feel, I feel like that almost stretches the definition. Like I feel like Valkyria Chronicles on PS3 was kind of a big deal. It was a big deal because it was a great game, I guess, and uh, it also yeah. had its unique art style, too, although this game yeah. has it, too. But I don't Valkyria, know. Valkyria Chronicles, but... 
three or four, whatever the other one that was uh, recently released, that was like kind of a return to form. Four, that yeah. is definitely that is definitely a mid tier game. It's mid tier. That did not have the same. Didn't have the same impact. Still a very good game, but like that was not like, hey everyone, talking about this game. Like, nah. <laughs> no one's talking about that game. <laughs> it's a good game. You should buy it. Like talking everyone about, should play it. Talking about Valkyria no. Chronicles Four? Yeah, not really. Nah. <laughs> Yeah, everybody nah. talked about Valkyria Chronicles because, I mean, there weren't, I don't think there were that many. That's right. This is the time when people were saying JRPGs were dying and we we're all right. w- waiting for Nino Kuni to save it, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. That was like, that time. So, but That was at the depths of Japanese development in general. That was like when, what's his name, Phil Fish or whoever it was, was like, Japan sucks or whatever he oh, said. Yeah. He said that and he got, he got yeah. fans angry at him for that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Yeah, so this was that time, and I remember, yeah, during the PS, the beginning of the PS3, they were like, yeah, Sega put out a couple of really awesome RPGs, and this was one, and the other one that was more popular <laughs> was uh, Valkyria Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I don't know, there'll probably be some more. I mean, there still are mid-tiered RPGs out there, but you have to go into, like, I guess the territory of maybe, what's that company? Um, the... Idea Factory, I think. Like, the guys that make Atelier games and stuff. I, I think... That... Oh, I thought you were going to say Tokyo RPG Factory. Because that's, like, Square Enix's sort of, like, low-budget studio. Team. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So there's that, too. But, no, I think, um, yeah. you know, all the Idea Factory games or Compile Heart games, I think those are all kind of the mid oh, true. kind of games. We just haven't been playing them, so we don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, there but, might be some good yeah. ones out there. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that, but overall, I would say that is definitely what this game is. This is not a triple-A, uh, like, going to knock all your socks off. It might knock one sock off. But it's not going <laughs> to knock them both It's not going to knock them both off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then that does it for this episode of Turn-Based Memories. So thank you, everyone, for listening to us talk about Resonance of Fate. And the next game that we're going to talk about, I don't know when we're going to talk about it, but when it happens... Um, it's going to be one that we both have not really ever played before, sort of, because it's going to be... You can say it, Mel. It's going to be the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, damn. So, I mean, you know, uh, this is obviously a game, as of recording, this has not come out. It's probably not going to come out by the time you hear this either. So when is it? April what? Like, do we know? 13th? Do we know off the top of our head? Something 13th, like that. Mid- Mid-April 10th? is when it's going to be... <laughs> Yeah. On PS4. So I'm going to have to crack off the old PS4 from <laughs> yeah. hibernation. And, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm very looking forward to it. Uh, go ahead and watch Zoltan's incredibly detailed critique of oh, this yeah. game demo. I did such <laughs> it's a really good, job. good. I, I watched uh, a good amount of it right before. I meant to watch it earlier, but it's really good. It seems to be getting some traction. A lot of other people really like it. So let us know what you think about that. Definitely. Well, I think Sultan did a very lovely job. Thanks. Yeah, go finish watching it and then critique yes. me on it. On, critique my critique. <laughs> oh. oh, I look forward to that hour-long video. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to do that, but... <laughs> yeah, so look forward to the uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake um, episode that we do in God knows how many months from now. Um, <laughs> you know, freaking Mel is having 
crazy, crazy stuff happening at work. And uh, oh my God, yeah. So he's I mean, without getting into any details. All yeah, this no details, crazy he's virus busy. stuff is just like nuts. Busy at work. Yeah. So you know, there's that, and there's other stuff for him at work. So that's increasing for him. And uh, yeah. I'm gonna have way less time than I have right now because coronavirus is gonna be over out here anyway yeah. soon. Uh, Got to go back to school and teach kids how to speak English and stuff, and that's gonna make it busy. And I gotta go to the gym. I'm getting goddamn huge. So oh my god, that's gonna further <laughs> further um, deep uh, take up some of my free time. But when we release it, it'll be fun. So look forward yeah. to that. Yeah, I think I think our mantra at this point is uh, quality over quantity. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so too. That's what we're going for. I did my best to ask some fun questions to Mel for this episode. Yeah. So, yeah, look forward to that. And uh, I think that's it. Um, yeah, no, no yeah. other messages. <laughs> okay. Spread this podcast to everyone you know who likes RPGs. There you go. <laughs> there it is. All right. Have a nice night. Di- have a nice day, everyone. Thank you. Bye bye.